Good evening, everyone. Welcome. It's great to be back. And yes, I'm thrilled that uh, the class was not canceled due to the snow. Tonight is a very special night. Tonight is the first night of Rosh Chodesh Adar. This year, we have 60 days of Adar. We have two months, 60 days, double portion of joy. When the month of Adar comes in, we are encouraged um, to be happy. So, be more happy. To be more happy is correct. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. So, this is such a happy month that we, we learn one who has a court case should do it during this month. We have good mazel. The mazel of a Jew is um, is um, is good. That's the story of Purim. Story of Purim. So yes, it's a great month. We should be thrilled that here we are. And uh, we go from one good, one time of redemption from the story of Purim, we go straight to the story of Pesach. So in general, this is a very, very special and exciting time period. So happy Rosh Chodesh. Today, we're going to start learning chapter 33. Chapter 33 is going to tell us about joy. What an appropriate time to begin learning about joy. When we conclude chapter 34, we're going to make a summary on chapters 26 through 34, and hopefully it will be a thorough summary. But until then, let's recap shortly. Chapter 26 began sharing how if you have two people in a wrestling what do they call it? A pit? A wrestling match? When the two people on this... No, when you're in a match, who are the two people? They're inside of a what? A ring? The two people in the ring. You could have a strong person, the champion, and a weaker person. But if the strong person came dejected that day, he could easily lose that match. That is the struggle between our godly and animalistic soul no matter how strong we are if we're going to be down, depressed, sad so we could easily lose we could easily be able to you know be led into inappropriate places don't we learn that someone that's just in bad space mm -hmm. they're that easily could get caught up in bad things. Mm -hmm. so, so we learned how, if God forbid, if someone is having physical challenges, they should think how the physical challenges come from a place even higher. Things we don't understand are coming from, from a place of God that's higher than understanding. We learned how someone that's going through Spiritual challenges needs to put it away for later. God doesn't want us to think about it and distract us. If someone's having inappropriate thoughts outside of prayer they're and they remove those thoughts, they should be so happy because they're fulfilling the verse in the Shema that says, don't, don't go after your eyes. If you're having negative thoughts and you overpower them during prayer, what an amazing person you are. You know, people don't come and fight you if you're the weak guy. They want to fight the strong guy. The strong, having, being able to overpower 
these evil thoughts, these negative thoughts in the middle of prayer, that's a really tremendous level, and how you're fulfilling another verse, which is, Kedoshim Tiyu, you shall be holy. So we went on discussing different thoughts you could have to try and get over depression and melancholy. We then discussed in chapter 29 and 30 what happens to someone that just his mind and heart are not connecting. He's a brilliant man, he understands, but he's not able to, he's not able to feel <coughs> what he's understanding. For example, you know, he may understand that fire is dangerous, but that's not stopping him from playing with fire. <coughs> so we, we discussed how at that point the Zohar tells us if you are if a piece of wood is not catching fire you should crush it, you should break it if a soul is not catching fire you should break it also and how should you break it? We spoke different thoughts someone could think different sins that they've done dreams that they've had, four different steps we discuss in chapter 29 and 30 31 and 33 are both going to tell us that ultimately though we must be happy. We have to try as hard as we can to always be happy. Just today I published a an article called The Joy of Parenting. Let's you know, let's, what's the joy of parenting? Wait till you have teenagers. <laughs> Uh, you could quote me. I mean, I, I'm, I didn't say I didn't say it's easy. The, the the point of the article, though, is that I'll share with you an interesting story. You don't have any kids. What do you do for irritation? <laughs> you can borrow. Rabbi Shmuel Lu, he's the head school master of a girls' school in London for many many years, and he was an amazing headmaster, but when he would get home at 4 or 5 p.m. he was done. And he had a rough time, you know, working with his kids after, after he got home. And he shared this with the Rebbe, and the Rebbe shared, he said, look at your children as God's children. As, as God's children. Yep. You know, so it's easier to be nice sometimes to the other kids, to yeah. someone else's children. Oh, your children yeah. are God's children. He wouldn't want to hurt God's children. <clears throat> but then he shared an amazing thought. He shared an amazing thought. He, th he said, you need to remember that you're also God's child. Uh -huh. In order for us to be able to look at someone else as God's child, we need to have that self-care. Right? If we're looking down at, down at ourselves, it's hard to be able to look out at someone else. We have to find joy. And how can we find joy in, in a lot of situations that we may be going through? So in chapter 31 we shared you should find joy that the lower you are, the greater God's happiness is when you do something good, right? The, the troublemaker in the class, when he does something good, the teacher is all excited. Right? So, the greater, the lower that you fall in, every good deed you are, you are just catching God's full attention. You've taken, as we share the example of the, as Tanya shared the example of the king's, king's son that is in prison. 
and he's doing the lowest of work. When he is going to be released from prison, what a joy it is. So too, when we have inside of us a piece of God, and we're going to release that part of God, what a great joy it causes. That's chapter 31. Now, we're going to talk about God's unity. We've discussed this previously in chapter 21 and 22. And if we truly can try to understand what it means that God is one, Hashem Echad, what's the prayer? What's the prayer Jews have unfortunately given up their lives with? What's the prayer that someone on their, God forbid, on their deathbed, what Shemai, what, what, what's the greatness of Shema? It's a, very, it's a very random prayer almost. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Hashem Echad. Why, why don't we say Anochi? God, I am, I am God, your God. What's, what does it mean Hashem is one? That, that is who, as this is our, this is who we are. Shema Yisrael, listen. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem is our God, Hashem is one. Before, I should, before we start talking about the unity of God, I want to share with you Shmuel Schneerson. He was a distant cousin of the Rebbe, the Schneerson family. And unfortunately, once in Chastorah, the doctor said he can't have any Lachayim. He can't have any whiskey. Now, you know, that's quite a big challenge. Simchas Torah is when you want to really... We have a, that's the one time of the year where we really want to give all the joy we have. And he was not able to have any L'chaim. He turned to a colleague of his. At that point, I believe he wasn't able to read. His eyes were bothering him. And he said, read for me chapter 33 of Tanya. And fellow, a, a friend read him chapter 33 and in the middle of chapter 33 he had enough, he, that, that had given him enough joy for the whole night. And I hope when we're going to finish chapter 33 I encourage you to also feel free to jump up and start dancing. Okay, so when we finish I won't be upset if anyone decides to jump up and, and, and give a little dance. But we're not going to finish it tonight. But. <laughs> Should I bring a bottle of Moshka <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> For those that didn't understand the class, you could bring a bottle of Moshka. <laughs> one, more, one more point before we go ahead and talk about the unity. The Alter Rebbe, who wrote the Tani, his son said his, that his father's entire mission in life, every day, was to implant the idea of the unity of God. Because if we understand what it means Hashem is one, It's that we have a different life. We have no worry. We have full trust, belief. So what does it mean? What does it mean that Hashem is one? How many names of God are there? Many. There's seven core names. Can someone here share with me what does Hashem Elokeinu mean? I know the first, the beginning of the verse makes Shema Yisrael, listen Jewish people. But then we say Hashem Elokeinu. They translate it, the Lord is our God. Okay. But what does it mean Hashem Elokeinu? 
Why don't we just say Shema Yisrael, listen Jews, Hashem Echad, Hashem is one. Why, why do we need to say Shema Yisrael, listen Jewish people, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Why? Because the Lord is our God, therefore He's one. God's unity is because He's our God? No. Just say, listen Jewish people, the Lord is one. That would be... be why do we need to say, the Lord is our God? Mm. Is, Dr. Mal, is the question understood? Mark, so what's the answer? The answer is acknowledging that there is a Lord and there's only one of them. And that's the, that's the, and we're acknowledging that in the, in the prayer. So Mark, you, you're, you're sharing that it's important for us to actively acknowledge that there's one God. Yes. Did I get it right? Well, no, you're for sure right. That's what it says. You're for sure right. But why, so why can we just say, listen, Jewish people, the Lord is one? Why do... Because there's no acknowledgement. No, you know, I appreciate it. You're saying we want to first accept God. Listen, Jewish people, let's accept God. The Lord, the Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. I, I appreciate the you point. You there is a Lord. Right. And, but that's not acknowledging it. It's just a statement. I appreciate it. Let, so let me just share, though, on a much deeper level. Let me just share on a much deeper level. And bear with me for a second. Every name of God has, has a meaning. Does anyone have a spare piece of paper? Please. A, a big one? I have a notebook. Okay, we're gonna try, we'll try on the notebook. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rip out two pieces. By all means. If we could pass that back. So... The two names of God that we're talking about, now you're going to see, the way I'm writing God's name, I'm putting a line between each word, each letter. The reason being, we know God's name, we're not allowed to erase. One of the, one of the commandments. So if we put a letter between each, le each if we put a, a dash between each letter, hyphen, so now this isn't holy. This is the word, this name of God is... They, we don't even want to say the letters of God's name one after another. So the, the way we pronounce it is Yud, then a He, then a Vav, then a He. This is Shema Yisrael Hashem. The third word of Shema is the name of God spelled Yud, then He, then Vav, then He. The name of God after that is spelled Aleph, Lamed. Anyone know the letters? Aleph, Lamed, Vav. What's the next word? What's the next letter? Hey. Hey. We're going to put a kuf because we don't want to write it. Kuf. Then yud. Then then nun. Then vav. Elokeinu. Hashem elokeinu. What do these two words mean? So, by reason of that, how many people have have a little background in Hebrew? language. A little background, no problem. This word here, Hashem, has in it a few words. The way you say the there's past, present, and future. All of those three words are hidden in the letters Yud, then He, then Vav, He. Let me, for example, the way you spell past in Hebrew is Haya. He, Yud, Hey is the word past. The way you spell current, the present, 
is ho- is hove, hey, vav, hey. The way you spell the future is yihiya, hey, yud, then another hey and yud. So within the name, this name of Hashem is is are the words past, present, and future. So when we talk about God being higher than this world. <coughs> Often we're going to be referring to the name of God spelled Yud, then Hey, then Vav, then Hey. The eternal now. Yeah. Isn't that when when Hashem first appears to Moshe, when he asks him, maybe I'm mixing up the Parshas, doesn't he basically say, I just remember the English always, he kind of says that. Who am Who are you? And he gives that simple answer. In the beginning of Parshas Vaera, right. Hashem tells Moshe, right, I, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I appeared with one name. But to you, I'm appearing with the name, this name of God. Right. Shmi, yeah, yeah. The next word of the Shema, Hashem Elokeinu, what does Elokeinu mean? Elokeinu means... Our God. But the translation of it in, if we went to the source of the word, Elokeinu means strength. So Elokeinu means our strength. This already is talking about the way God is permeated within the world. The way God is our, is our, is our personal strength. So, we'll, so let's now put these two words together. When we say Hashem is Elokeinu, our God, we're saying that Hashem that's higher than the world is the same God that's within the world. The entire God is one. And that's what, how we now continue. Hashem Echad. There's not different, two different gods. There's not different. Hashem is one. The, Hashem is higher than the world. Hashem <coughs> is within the world. Hashem, let's read it again. Shema Yisrael. Listen, Jewish people. Hashem, God, the way that He is past, present, and future, and higher than the world, is also Elokeinu, is also the God that's permeated within the world. And because of that now, Hashem Echad. We're not saying that there's one God. We're saying, we're not only saying there's one God, of course there's only one God. We're saying much deeper. Not only is there one God, there is only God. There is nothing else that exists. David was first. I just, uh, yes. And that is our strength? I, I just want to go in order. I'll take all questions. Was well, my comment or was that general? No, I, I don't know. Go ahead. I was just being silly. What he said is essential. And we need to understand and appreciate that before we proceed. And that is the to be verb that he uses in that case to say, I was, I am, and I will be. In that verb, that sets the stage right there, and it is terribly important to what Gary said in my estimation and from what I've studied. And from that proceeds the rest of it. The the words that you point out infer, first of all, the to-be verb that Gary pointed out. Second, that I am omnipotent, I was, I am, and I always will be omnipotent. The to be verb tells us that I am eternal. And the next inference that must be drawn is that I am omniscient, I know everything. And the fourth and very important point 
theologically for the statement that sets forth by Judaism and which what are referring to is the, uh, I think it's a false term, but it's popular, Abrahamic faiths. Absolutely essential to all of that is that God cannot be defined. He is not, and we use the word he for lack of a better word, he is not a corporal entity. And that is completely alien to all the civilizations of that time. And that's what's unique and that's the territory that Judaism sets out, and that is all inferred in these words. Thank you. Yes, Dr. Malov. Well, what I was going to say is, can Elohim mean judges? Yes. Uh, so if that's the case, can Elokeinu mean our judge? Yes. And, and does that imply uh, sort of a more stern aspect of Hashem? That's also correct, yes. Elohim does also refer to judgment, yeah. Yes, Shemuel. God bless. God bless. Thank you. Okay, so let's now go inside of Tanya. And how does this all bring to joy? Just to be clear, if we acknowledge that we are just a part of God, nothing else, and that God is running this world, then what greater joy can we have? We are just, we are part of Hashem and He is everything. There's nothing for us to worry about. The previous Rebbe wrote, he said, you could worry as much as you want, but it's not going to help anything. We'll see this inside. Chapter 33, page 148. Chapter 33, page 148, this also will be the true joy of the soul. What's going to be the true joy of the soul? What can make us truly happy? Not only happy, truly happy. The word of, how do you say truth in Hebrew? Emes. You'll see the last word of the first slide in Hebrew is amitit. The true, correct, the true joy of the soul is what? Especially when one recognizes at appropriate times that one needs to purify and illuminate one's soul with gladness of the heart. If you're going through a rough time, so especially you should focus on this thought, what is it? Let him then concentrate his mind and envision in his intelligence. That means really put thought into this. We're not just saying learn it. Learn it understand it, envision it. The subject of his true unity, blessed be he. What is the true unity of God? Isn't that what we were talking about before we started reading this? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, what is the true unity of God, continues Tanya. How he permeates all worlds, both upper and lower, and even this world is filled with his glory. The first step of his unity is that Hashem is everywhere. No place he is not. Continues Tanya, not only is Hashem every, everywhere, but how everything is of no reality whatsoever in his presence. Okay, now this is already tricky. 
Hashem is everywhere and everything is nothing in Hashem's presence and He is one alone in the upper and lower realms as He was one alone before the six days of creation and also in the space wherein this world was created the heavens and earth and all their hosts Hashem was one and He is one we all say this every, every day Adon Olam Asher Malach Master of the world who Beterem Kol Yitzor Nivra who ruled the creation before anyone, anyone existed in the prayer we say Hashem nothing has changed with creation Nothing has changed, but but creation happened. It's a little it's a little complicating. I get a quick question. It says he permeates all worlds. Yeah. Both upper and lower. Yeah. Can you explain that a little deeper? I'm in very brief. There are four worlds. The four worlds are four steps of taking the spiritual into physical. God is spiritual. God is everything. But naturally, <coughs> for something that is non-existent to become existent, there needs to be a process. The process is a process of four worlds. The first world being Atsilos, the world which is one with God. Everything is spiritual. The next world is the world of Berea, creation. Slowly things are beginning to form. Not form, that, that would be wrong. In Berea is the world of creation where they're being created. The third world is the world of Yitzira where the creation is now having a form. Yitzira means formation. And the final world is Asiya, the world of, of um, Asiya means to make something, where they're actu the, the creation is now complete, or action. Actualization. Actualization. Um, now, to, to just explain, these four worlds exist right here within every item. In other words, it's not that if you would go to space, you would find four different worlds. What we're actually learning is, within every creation, there are four steps within its creation. Let me say it in other, word. in other words. You could have a human being who is currently living on a higher plane. Living in a higher plane, if someone could see deeper within you, a tzaddik who could see deeper within you, they, could act, they may actually be able to perceive within you a deeper world. Not just see your, your physical body, if they could see the godliness within you, if they could see, they're already now looking at a deeper level within you. Those are the four worlds. So He alone, God alone, filled this space, and now also this is so. Being one alone without any change whatsoever. So God created a world, but nothing happened. If God created a world and the world disappeared, I understand nothing happened. But we're saying Hashem created a world. I'm just, I want to read from the fourth line again. He alone filled this space and now also this is so being one alone without any change whatsoever. I mean this is contradictory. God created the world 
but it's still only him, there's no world. How does that make sense, Damon? God created... Shmuel, what's the answer? How, how, do, how do we explain this? God created... Start talking about Tohu and say what your brother said uh, it feels like in the house. <laughs> We're nice Jewish boys. Would it, is well, it, no, it's and, like and, and ladies, so mind, this, this is a, thoughts, but it, it didn't actually exist nice. yet, so it would be. I'm, I'm just going to ask you: Are you actually existing in the mind of God, or in the mind? Of <laughs> <laughs> you know, you remind me. There's a mimer from Tafresh Mem Gimel, 1883, where one of the rabbis asks. He says, "How do we know the world is really existing? How do you know you're alive? How do you know you're not just dreaming?" Just throw it, throwing it out there. Maybe one day you're going to wake up and you're just going to see that you just had a long dream. Within your dream, you also think that you're waking. But how do you know that right now you're not just... The whole world is not a dream. Or an alternative universe. You're s like the Matrix. Right. I mean, correct. How, how do you know... The, the world is existing. I mean, that, that mime explains. Do you want to get into real, the, the deep historical Kabbalah that I read about? How, how some people believe that, that, that the initial uh, impetus that created all that might be known mm -hmm. was not from the presence of God just flooding them. It was actually from a contraction and a... And a, and a that's, all, that's all correct. But how does that help us now? How would that help us understand how the creation of the world does not exist? Here we're learning, just to quote, He alone well, filled this space, and now also this is so, being one alone without any change whatsoever. Because that contraction is, is about the, the hidden aspect of God, and you're talking also about the bringing together of the, the various room uh, for the concepts. And I don't understand something. A woman that is expecting a baby. Oh, here we go. <laughs> is she, has she changed over the pregnancy, or there's been no difference whatsoever? Is, is, physically. What? Physically. Does it? There's, there's, there's a child within her. Mm -hmm. she, she's growing a child. She's growing a child. What do you mean when God says that there's a whole creation? I've given birth to whole creation, but He. But he's one alone without, um, without any change whatsoever. What do you mean without what? what? Where is that? So, so in cre right creation, you can create it in your thoughts before you bring it in. He alone filled this space, and now also this is so, being one alone without any change whatsoever. Yes. If God is everything, yeah. God is everything before creation and after creation, yeah. then how can there be more of everything after creation? I mean, if everything, if God is all that there is, yeah. before the universe was created, yeah. God is still all that there is after the universe was created. How can you, how can you add any more to that? It's so small compared to God, it can't even be measured. Uh, so Garrison already is getting into where uh, we're, we're going to go. Before I go there, though, I just want to mention, the conversation we're having now is the fulfillment of the first command of the Torah, of the Ten Commandments.
I, I, just understand the importance of this conversation. The first command is, I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. What is the command? What's the command? I know the second command is easy. Don't, don't say my name in vain. That's easy. But what's the commandment? The Rambam says the first commandment is to try as hard as we can to understand God. We cannot understand Him. But we need to try as hard as we can too. And that's what we're doing now. So, uh, so we're... Political so that we are so No, there's just a mitzvah to try to know as much as we can. So now... How can it be that God created a world but it made no effect on him? What? Yeah. How can it be that God created a world and had no effect on him? We're going to give two examples. I want you to imagine you have a drop of water and you th within the ocean. Within the ocean, that drop of water... Uh, you ever tried to name each drop of water in the ocean? It, it's not only you wouldn't do it, it would take you too long, but it doesn't make sense. Within the ocean, the drop is not in existence. It's a part of a bigger hole. If you pulled it out, now already, that drop of water, you want to give it a name, give it a name. It's, it's now it's, it's an individual. Within its source, it doesn't have a unique existence. It's one. When you pull it out of its source, now already you could give it a name. I like that analogy. Thank you. It's not mine, but thank you. <laughs> Hasidus teaches us that for you to for you to give something, you have to have it within you originally. For example, for the sun to release rays of light, the ray of light needs to be within the sun. Similarly, for us to be able to speak words, the words need to exist in some way within our mind before we say them. So let's now try and think about that for a second. Let's, talk, let's take the second example, which I think is easier. Within the sun, each ray has is nothing relative to the sun. But when the ray comes into your house, that's your ray. I mean, that's, that's your light. That's, that's powerful. Going back to the words that we speak. When I say a word, each word I'm saying now is unique. It has meaning. I'm able to share something with it. Each letter, you could pronounce each letter clearly. But when these letters are existing in your mind prior... What's, what's Chachma? Let's, Chabad stands for Chachma Binandas. Wisdom, knowledge, and wisdom, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Understanding... <coughs> That's easy to know. You understand something. But what's wisdom? Wisdom is, chachma is, when you're trying to figure out how you're going to balance your, how you're going to balance your finances, and it makes no sense to you, and you go to sleep, and in the morning you say, aha, I figured out how I'm going to make it work. 
and you still haven't, you don't, still don't know exactly how you're going to do it. You still don't know exactly why. But then you break it apart and you say, yeah, I could make this, I could go ahead and maybe cut back here a little bit. That was a silly example. The example normally we give is, you had a challenge, let's say trying to, I think you'll be a good example. You're trying to build a, you're trying to uh, make plans for a building. You can't get everything in. And you're really troubled. And then you have a flash of inspiration. You're like, aha! I, I, I'm going to be able to make this work. At the moment of the aha, you still can't put it on paper. You still need to sit down and, and try and break it down. But at that moment of the aha, that's called the wisdom. Just, just to stop for a moment. Have you had that experience in your life? Where there was a challenge? You had a moment of inspiration where you knew the answer is there but it still was going to take time to break it down. Could you, okay. I, I'm, I'm actually, yes. Taking a whole house full of furniture and sticking it in a truck. How the heck do you get all of this furniture into the truck? And yet you do. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Garrison. Oh, I was going to, just a quick observation. Yeah. Um, that analogy of that aha moment. Yeah, yeah. Because I've read things about creative people, how they have that, that, that it's actually just like the 101st step. In other words, they're already there. Right. They spent their whole life struggling. So it's a little bit like before when we were talking about a shame was everything before the creation of the world. It's just another infinitesimally small addition. Fantastic. Fantastic. We're going to go there in a moment. So, we... At that moment of the aha, you can't now, at yet, write down what the answer is. You had a really rough mathematical equation. You had the aha moment. You aren't yet ready to answer the question. You don't yet have words. You don't yet have letters. But the letters and words still exist. The letters and words still exist within your mind, but they're nothing in your mind. Relative to your mind, those letters are nothing. When you're now going to write it down in a lengthy article, each letter is unique. But at the moment when the aha came, before you were able to express those letters and words, the letters were nothing relative to your mind. Let's see. The, we're now going to see these two examples of the letters within your mind before, they're, before you use them, and of the sun inside of Tanya. Let's see it inside. We are seven lines from the top, second word. For all things created are nullified besides Him in their very existence. Everything in this world is nullified, exactly like Ereshkin said. We are nothing. There is everything in this world is nothing to God. As... What's the qualification? How nullified is everything? As are nullified the letters of speech and thought within their source and root. Speech and thought within their source before you're able to speak. Namely, the essence and substance of the soul, which are its ten faculties, Chachma, Binadat, and so on. Because like I said, before you're able to release the words, the words still exist prior. Even just within the faculties, the ability to think, 
you already have letters there, but they are nullified completely. We are in the letters of elements, where in the elements of letters is not yet found prior to their embodiment in the garment of thought, as has been explained at length in chapters 20 and 21 note there. So the first example is what it means to be nullified, what it means to be, is the, how the letters <coughs> that we speak are nullified within their source of the ten faculties. And as uh, the second example, and as is explained elsewhere by means of an illustration from nature, namely the nullification of the sun's radiation and light at their source, the orb of the sun in the sky. Says Tanya, for surely its radiance and light glow and, sp and spread forth there too. Certainly within the sun there's also rays. And even more strongly than in the space of the universe, certainly the rays of light within the sun are much, much greater than what we're getting here. But there in the sun, the light is nullified within its source, as though it were non-existent at all. Although the rays are much, much greater within the sun than we're, what we're getting here, within the sun, you're not going to start mentioning the rays of the sun, you're just going to talk about the sun itself. Does, does that example make... Is the example clear, Dr. Mala? No. Because... No. Uh, uh, the fact that the, the sun is, I guess, made up of a lot of many, many rays yeah. doesn't really nullify any one of them. I mean, it just says that there's many more. I think, I think that there's probably a mathematical definition of nullify, which is different from the common usage do here. I, do I understand I what, what, what nullify is when I say that it relates back to the eternal being, past, present, and future, like in, in, in one moment, always present, but how can that be? Well, usually when I say nullify, you mean it doesn't... There's a certain amount of nullification to that, in a manner of speaking. The concept of eternity, in, in, as we might know it, is not the, the eternity of Hashem, uh, you know, I realized I stopped four lines short. Let's read four more lines to kind of put it all together, and then we'll take some questions. Exactly so, exactly like the words are, uh, are nullified within their source of the ten faculties, exactly like the ray of the sun is nullified within the sun itself, exactly so, figuratively speaking, is the world, and all that fills it dissolves dissolved out of existence, here's the catch, in relation to its source, which is the light of the angels, blessed is he, as is there explained at length. Which, which means, let's take the, the example of the sun. Let me just finish this, okay. and I'll repeat okay. as many times. Just, okay. Okay. I want to finish the thought. If God is everywhere, then God is the sun. And... If we are the rays of the sun, if we are a ray of God, then so long as you, as you believe God is in heaven and you are here, then you're an individual. But if surrounding David is God, if God, then he's just like that ray that within the sun <coughs> is nothing. Yes, go, go ahead. Okay. 
So when we're talking about the ray of the sun yeah. or the drop of water in yeah. the ocean, yeah. we're not talking about the ray being nullified once it's back up in the sun. We're saying that the ray is no longer distinguishable. Thank you. Yeah, and I think that's what Shmuel was saying. The, when we say, when we say nullified, right. we're not saying that it's, it's not here. We're saying it doesn't have a unique existence. Nullified means it's not a unique entity. Yeah, I think the problem is not with the word nullify. It's not distinguished. Right. And the definition of nullify can mean different things for different people. But I like the word... It is part of not the totality, and we will not dwell on the part of the totality, we dwell on the totality. Yeah. Did that answer your question, Shmuel? Partially. Close enough. Close enough. Close enough for government work. <laughs> Once I saw that, like it's not extinguishing the ray, <coughs> it's just not... I'm just saying what I said before. It's just not distinct. Right. Because part of God. That's very, very important. We're not at all learning that we're a nobody. Right. Our right. ultimate goal here to learn is that we're a somebody. We are God. In other words, we're not here to crush the person. We're here to elevate the person and say, you are in the best position you'll ever be. <laughs> you'll always be. You are one within God. Part of God. I know I stopped at numerous questions. Can I be of any help? That's our godly soul. That's our godly soul. Mm -hmm. Any questions? So, yes. I would say that we're all part of something greater. Mm -hmm. Is that but but is that what they mean by nullification? That we're part of something greater. Um. We're part. We're actually within something so great that we're nothing, alone. We're not an individual. We're not an individual. Our we're not an individual. Our boundaries dissolve. We are not an individual. We are an not individual an individual. Is an individual. It's like being the cell in the body of humanity. One cell in the body. Are you going to say, "Oh, I'm a cell"? It, the cell is important. <laughs> in the body and yet nobody really looks mostly at oh you're a cell they look at the whole liver they look at the whole heart they look at the whole brain they look at the whole body some people are looking at the cells too <laughs> if you go down that deep the cell but the cell does exist it's just not everybody looks that that carefully right like i mean i appreciate it similar to the example of the water that we're all together making up this massive body of water we're all together. We're a part of God. But we're, go ahead. Go I ahead. like that example of the cell. Yeah. Okay. Being a doctor, I use that all the time. <laughs> well, I like that example. But, but again, I mean, there are many, 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 many different cells in the body. Um, but, but still, the cell exists. I mean, any one cell. <laughs> It's, it's part of something much, much bigger, but it still exists. I mean, it's, you know. That's, why I, that's it, why I go back to what I was saying, that 
um, any of you a little more rigorous with the terminology. Mm -hmm. We could reserve the nullified to be like zero, nothing, does not exist, mm -hmm. versus what Gary was saying, that terminology of an infinitesimal, mm -hmm. which means there is a something, but when you compare it to the infinite, it's an infinitesimal. Mm -hmm. It's not nothing, but mm -hmm. it's smaller than just about anything else. Mm -hmm. So in mathematics, you know, it's, it, those things are kind of rigorously laid out. Mm -hmm. So you have these various degrees of smallness, you know, mm -hmm. from not existing at all mm -hmm. to an infinitesimal to something that's infinitely, well, it, never mind. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's basically, I think, a non-rigorous use of the word to nullify. Mm -hmm. I think he's mixing it with infinitesimal in comparison with the infinite. Is, is, I think that's the distinction. In the context of what we've been talking about, what's beyond the infinitesimal? But the thing is, though, must be something there. No, but because we <laughs> are become boundaryless, mm. because we're no longer distinctive when we go back to God or the main Son, whatever, not to that we become bigger and we expand. And I think that's another definition of nullify, which is to dissolve. Mm -hmm. It says, you mm -hmm. cease to exist as a mm -hmm. separate entity. Mm -hmm. The molecules of that water lose their cohesion, mm -hmm. that drop, the surface tension is gone, they start dispersing throughout the ocean. That drop is no longer. The individual atoms have been dispersed. Mm -hmm. So you could, you, could, you could define nullify as meaning ceasing to exist as that entity. Is, it was dissolved into something else. Is that a good way to explain it? Because I view being a part of that God as an expansion. And that feels great. I mean, not is, am I on the right? I mean, isn't I mean, that what you're, I guess, <coughs> want to make, isn't that what you're, saying you're saying the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah we're saying that's the same thing. That's exactly what we're learning. We do not dwell on the fact in our minds that we are a drop. We dwell on the fact that we are part of the ocean. Right, that we become the ocean. I mean, I love that exact the way you said it. Yeah. About removing the separation mm -hmm. and melting into one. Mm -hmm. That is what we're learning here. That the world, just to quote, and all that fills it, dissolved out of existence in relation to its source. In other words, we 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 are here. We're not saying you're not here, because you are here. We're saying that if we're going to acknowledge that God is everywhere, He's right here within us, mm -hmm. then we're all, I love the word, the word you used, we're just melting into one, mm -hmm. into one entity. Mm -hmm. So they also claim through science that the breath we breathe in and out it's been around for a long time and that mm -hmm. we actually, all of us have molecules that um, mm -hmm. George Washington, for instance, had breathed once upon a time. And so George Washington lives within hmm. each one of That's us. That's interesting. We're all our individual selves, but we're also that which has come before, which has been released in, and even a bigger than sense. We hmm. are all a so part Moses. of God. That's right. We are all part of. Can I, make, can I extend the body analogy? Like cells, there are many different cells. They, they're all different and they all have different functions. So you have mm -hmm. a liver cell, mm -hmm. different from a pancreatic cell, mm -hmm. different from a red blood cell, different mm -hmm. from a white blood cell, different from a nerve cell. They all have their job to do. Mm -hmm. So it's, they're all part of something greater, mm -hmm. but they still have an individual job. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, would that be maybe an analogy? That would absolutely be true. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, we all have individual jobs. And they all come united from together. Yeah. That comes from what? <sighs> but Rabbi, don't they, at some point in their existence, become without boundaries? I mean, when they return to God, they become without boundaries. That the, the distinction of the individuality of that self, whatever its function or purpose was, is, is like that drop of water? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, in, in our conversation right now, we're talking about um, the, the humans on Earth. Yes, right, right. Manifestation of... of mm-hmm. Original uh, part of the original hole, the the shaft of sunlight, mm-hmm. the, the the drop that's right. drawn from the ocean. Uh, those are those are the comparison to our individual existences. Is that right? And then when we different die, concepts of how to expand happily. And then when we die, we nullified. That's 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 my the question I'm posing. Is is does that cell that takes on a a, a distinct existence at one point? Become uh, upon return to Hashem, as oh. a return to a, a boundless, a boundaryless sort of existence. Because that's that, that's the sense I got with with your analogy of or your metaphor of, of the drop of water returning to the ocean. Mm. It's no longer it no longer has distinct boundaries. Right, okay. right. Okay. And 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 let me share to 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 accept your point and mm. a few points. Firstly, I want to say I know we're over time. And I forgive anyone if they, if you want to get up and run away, you're fine. I don't, like, <laughs> class is over. You know. um, a few points. Number one is, only in this world can a person grow. So there's something special about being in this world. For example, we learned that unfortunately one that has passed on, they're stuck. Stuck means that whatever they've accomplished in this world is good, but once you left this world, you've kind of melted back in and wherever your place is that's where you are mm-hmm. someone in this world and that's the power we say of Yiskar and of giving charity for someone that has passed on only in this world do you have the ability to elevate a soul can I put that in different words sure for me instead of saying you're stuck and it's that word stuck sure, that sort sure. of messes with me sure it's more like we have an opportunity in this world to grow and experience what it's like in the physical body and all of our memories and all of our experiences we are gathering in this world but when we move on out of body we take that with us and that's it that's all we have in, in of our experience in the physical body and we take that back to god with us it, it, it's even it's, it, though it's much deeper because only in this world are we able to accomplished what God would like and make God happy. Once we leave this world, we're not able to accomplish. Really? Yeah. This gets into some more stuff, but (laughs) while we're here, we have free will. When we go back, God takes a look and says, wow, this didn't work out. I'm going to take a piece of this and a piece of that, stick it back in, and we'll see how that works out under free will. And that's Mm -hmm. a separate topic. I I don't recall what the Tanya goes into that. We're not going to talk much about free will. Um, so the question, question remains, though, does your identity as a soul get dissolved at some point in the, in the afterlife? Or are you an entity? Okay, to answer the question just simply, the belief in Mashiach, in the Messiah, mm-hmm. is that we're going to be human people. 
Meaning, where there's going to be, every soul is going to come back into a body. So no. Say it again? The resurrection, the resurrection of the body. Of the body. Right. So no, no one is ever going to be dissolved. Ultimately, mm-hmm. we're all going to be humans within bodies. Every, right. The, the, the ultimate time is going to be when every soul will come back into a body. Is it a physical body for yes. sure? Or is it a spiritual body that we all have a whole spiritual body? Maimonides is a soul... The answer is yes, in a physical body. In a physical yeah. body. Yeah, yeah. However, Hashem recombines souls to give them the opportunity to accomplish His will. And will the physical body not necessarily look like this physical <laughs> body here, but maybe a physical body? That's a rough question. I'll tell you. The, I'll tell you. No, no. I'll, it's it's a rough question. But the simple answer is, the beginning of the time of Mashiach is going to be everyone in the same body they have now. Everybody. Well, I would hope there would be an improvement. No, well, well this, is, <laughs> this is for your benefit. We actually learn what would happen. Imagine if your parents came out of, not, not your parents, imagine if someone's great-great-grandparents came out of their grave looking like they were 15. Right. It would, just, it would mess everything up. Right, right. right. So we actually... Right. But soon after, you're going to look the same, but you're going to be healed. It's going to be a time of only goodness what and peace. What age will so, I be? <laughs> That's the question. How long will that I answer? Live for? Forever. So, could anybody and everybody have some Mashiachism, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a uh, descendant of David? The Mashiach. Go ahead, I'll listen to you anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> I, then I didn't understand the question. What was the question? Have the, your question was, does everyone have the potential to be Mashiach? Which is... Well, you mean to come back? In, in a general manner of speaking, That's why the, what you just said about... Uh, resurrection? resurrection. The, 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 coming back in a physical body? Is it my resurrection? Yeah, you explained that the soul, that all the souls will return to the physical body. Well, they're not all going to return to just one person who happens to be a descendant of King David, necessarily. If they're all coming back, then they might all come back to all of us. This is my... Wouldn't that when you say... I mean, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. You don't understand because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe that the, 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 the age of messianic grace, if you will, will depend upon one person. Uh, I, 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 it's a, just my own personal belief. You, you, and you don't have to agree whole, with me, but... The whole I concept mean, of Mashiach is more than we have time to cover. You know, because we, 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 when we pray, we say, oh, the Son of David. I'm going I'm gonna to do myself a favor. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to call it a night. You're going to do us a favor. <laughs>